Hey, Darren Steele from Think Queerly here. Now, if you're listening to this or watching this, you're currently not on my premium subscriber feed for Think Extra Queerly. And you'll only be able to hear the first part of this episode. Now, if you'd like to access the entire episode for today's personal evolution process, you'll need to subscribe. And you'll find a link for that in today's show notes. Or you can go to my website, darrensteel.com, and look for the menu item at the top of the page for Think Extra Queerly. Head on over there to get all the details about how to become a member, how you'll be able to add uh, the show to your favorite podcasting app and other members only content benefits. Now, I do not run advertising on Think Queerly. I've mentioned that here and there. Um, It's something I feel is really important so that I'm never beholden to an advertiser. And the work I create is for you to help with your personal transformation and personal evolution as a humane thought leader. So if you enjoy what I'm creating and it's helpful to you, please do consider becoming a member. I'm Darren Steele, and this is Think Queerly. And on the show, I help human-hearted creatives cultivate acceptance, connection, and tranquility to experience more freedom, impact, and joy in life. Have you ever been in a situation where you really needed someone to respect you or love you in some way? Something happened in your life and they didn't show up for you. And after that experience, you felt like, wow, all this that I've done for my friends and they weren't there for me, how do they expect me to feel? We're going to get into that in just a moment, but if you don't know who I am, my name is Darren Steele, and I help and coach human-hearted creatives to cultivate more acceptance, connection, and tranquility to experience more freedom and impact and joy in their lives. Now, what I want to offer you today or speak to you about today is, and I'm titling this video and podcast, You Can't Expect Others to Make You Feel the Way You Want to Feel. Now, this is one of my personal evolution practices or PEP, PEP, like Peppy for short, for how you can get clarity on how you want to be loved and respected by others. Now, I say it that way because as it will become clear a little bit later on, if you don't already know this, but we are responsible for how we feel. And while sometimes we react very quickly emotionally, ultimately it is our decision how we wish to feel. There are a lot of behaviors, um, a lot of reactions that happen just like that, right? Uh, anger, um, sadness, um, spontaneous laughter, right? But that's because we're set up in a way as human beings with all of this programming in our brains that allow us to function without having to always be up here in the sort of the front and youngest area of our developed brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex. And that's where we think. That's where we can have rational discussions. That's where we can discuss something logically. That's where we can plan our futures and think about, well, I'm going to do this and this and this in order to get there. But in the 
larger parts of our brain, what's called the mammalian brain and the basal ganglia, which is literally like the software storage um, of a computer, and all of the things that we do unconsciously, putting one foot in front of the other, having that immediate joyful reaction um, to something that happens in our lives that brings us joy, laughing at a joke. But when we're very mindful and very conscious and cognizant of what's going on in our lives, we can see things sort of going up the hill, so to speak, or climbing the ladder towards a particular response or reaction. So I'm going to get into it. Let me start by going into a story, which is how I opened the video. Now, recently, a friend of mine went through a really difficult um, personal experience in his life, and I don't want to get into all the details, but it was, and it was layered. There was a couple things that all happened within about the same seven to 10 day period, and it's a lot what he went through. Now, a couple of people that he really cares deeply for, and he puts himself out there to, you know, give them attention and care and love, they didn't show up in his time of need, when he really needed this support. Um, And I know this because this is the conversation that I had with him, and I was there for him, but he was also expecting these other individuals to whom he has committed a lot of his time and energy to at least reciprocate in some way. So as he was talking to me, he said what he thought should be, you know, quote-unquote, normal human behavior, and how people should act. And it's not that I disagreed with him, but I wanted to help him reframe his experience so that he could see the situation from a different perspective. And in no way was that meant to discount his experience, but to get to the root of this very challenging situation. So, Perhaps think for yourself to a situation in your life where you've had a similar kind of experience. And as you listen, as you watch, I hope that what I'm explaining will will have more meaning and really resonate with you. So when we feel that people haven't given us the attention that we think we deserve, our ego can take offense. Now, our ego is a really interesting part of ourselves. Um, some people will say it's the weakest part of ourselves. Some people will say it's the strongest part of ourselves. And that's the way in which it shows up either on one side or on the other side of the spectrum. But imagine that you find yourself literally sitting in a shallow pool of self-pity, seeking attention for your woes, and you're making pronouncements about, oh, I've been so ignored and neglected, and I've been wronged by people. I don't mean to sound disrespectful when I say that, but let me keep going, and I think you'll understand why I'm being playful with that tone. Now, in situations like this, it's as if our ego is stuck in a very deep well, And as we complain and say people weren't there for us, those complaints, they literally echo up the the circle of the well that we have built around ourselves to protect ourselves. Now, I laugh a little bit because I spend a lot of time trying to understand the ego and the reactivity that is the ego and 
how when you become more attuned to noticing when your ego flares up, you can kind of laugh at it in a way. You can almost look at it and appreciate it. Um, it's almost like having two personalities where you look at that side of yourself that is, is in certain situations trying to help and protect you, but most of the time it isn't really doing us a very skillful job at making the best of friends or allowing us to get ahead in life. So I like this metaphor of the well, because I've been in many a well of my own making, and I won't go into that because that would be really tedious and quite boring. But it's like being in this pit of ugliness that you make for yourself. And admittedly, I've sometimes enjoyed being in that well. I've enjoyed wallowing in the mud because not only did I want people to come and save me and feel sorry for me, but I wanted to feel sorry for myself because in some sick way, it was empowering for me to feel sorry for myself. It gave me a kind of meaning that I could attach to, not a very skillful meaning, not a very helpful way to lead my life. And so, you know, even after directly, consciously um, calling out attention um, and the need for attention, you know, we, we often do this, like I said, subconsciously. Our programming is there for different reasons to protect us. The more unconscious we are of how our ego manages our day-to-day life, the less freedom we will have, meaning we won't know the ways in which we can take control and manage ourselves and our emotions and our responses to get better results in our lives. So that metaphor of being in the well is, is just on a spectrum, one side um, of the ego's reaction, sort of that depressing, that woe is me, look at me, help me, people aren't loving me, they're being disrespectful to me and all that. The other extreme end is the more reactive, bombastic approach to being heard when that person is wounded or unnoticed. Um, That may be someone who is generally more of a gregarious type or Um, more of an extrovert type individual. And that's your ego standing at the top of the mountain proclaiming how important you are. And it echoes off all the canyons and the valleys. And that voice is reaching out to seek the adoration from others for all of your accomplishments and good deeds and your possessions and your status and the power that you have. Now, those are extreme examples, right? There's lots of shades of gray in between of how our ego can take over either as a form of self-protection, seeking attention through self-pity in a general sense, or fully in defensive mode, fully externalized, pompous and self-aggrandizing. Now, think about those two examples I just gave you. If we observe the extreme ends of our ego, this is the idea of dualities that I talk a lot about in in my understanding of the Tao Te Ching. We can notice that our ego has a middle ground, an origin point, a center, if you wish. And in the center exists the mindful awareness of the truth of who you are without needing external validation of any kind. This 
center is the place where your ego sleeps. It's resting. So if this is the the very center point, it's only when you start going to one side of the sort of bombastic, uh, defensive, standing on a pulpit, look at me, or the sort of cowering, feeling sad and sorry for yourself. Um, It's only in going away from the center that your ego begins to wake up. And the farther you go to the extremes, the greater a hold the ego has on all of your actions. So if you are not grounded with both feet, your foundational self in the center of who you are and what you might be feeling in the center of who you are is peace of mind, calmness, or tranquility. So if you're not grounded in your center, if you're not paying attention, which is another word for being mindful of how you are feeling, it's very easy to almost accidentally go into the reactive extremes of emotional and egotistical expression. So the question is, why is it so challenging to stay centered? Well, we live in a very distracting world. We're constantly being pulled in multiple directions away from the center of ourselves, away from being calm and focused and mindful, away from really the best versions of who we are. We witness other people's emotions and egos and their challenges and, and, and recognize that they're just as complex and unique as ours. And every one of us is vying for attention and connection and love. And on one extreme, going back to the example of my friend, the more caring and nurturing you are, the easier it is to get pulled away from your center and to almost lose yourself when you're taking care of the needs of others before your own. And the more assumptions that we make about other people, the less we maintain our footing in that center, that middle ground of who we are. Now, one of the biggest mistakes we make in our human relationships is expecting others to act in a particular way. Now, expectations are a funny thing. When, when we expect someone to accept and care for us in a way that will satisfy, satisfy, in a way that will satisfy our needs, there's just no point. It's something that's outside of our control. And as a response, we may get emotional, we may get angry, we may get frustrated when people don't do what we expect them to do. Now, expectations hold us back because it's it's something that, you know, we thought about in our past. And they can rarely, if ever, be met because expectations are something you want someone else to do for you but you haven't included them in that discussion, right? Expectations are something you want someone else to do for you, but you haven't included that person in the discussion of what you want. So it's literally that you want that person to read your mind. It's a kind of a conundrum, isn't it, when you think of it that way? And there's a much easier alternative, and it's called agreements, have an agreement with someone. When, when people know what they have agreed to, what they have committed to doing, 
when they fail to live up to the obligation, to the commitment, that can be measured. Maybe they got 50% of it, 80% of it, no percent of it, right? And then you can deal with that. And the very important aspect here is that agreements require two or more people, whereas expectations are one-sided and unspoken, like I said earlier. Now, I'm going to um, put a link in the show notes, but if you want to dive more into a metaphysical exploration of expectations, um, you can read an article I published on Medium on a publication called The Ascent, How Expectations Limit Creativity and Personal Liberation. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to go into the second part of this video and podcast, which is my personal evolution practice for love and respect. But I want to end this segment here so that you can more easily have the second part as your ability to practice and go deep into this personal exploration. Okay, so thanks for watching. And you can just go to the next video in just a moment. So if you'd like to continue listening to this personal evolution process episode and also to get access to the PDF worksheet download, the video training, the monthly live Zoom coaching call that will help you deepen this process, ask me anything and bonus episodes, you will need to subscribe to Think Extra Queerly. And just as a reminder, again, you'll find the link in the show notes or head on over to my website at darrenstill.com and look for Think Extra Queerly, Queerly in the on the top of the menu options on the page. Thanks for listening.